0: I typically pride myself on being the guy who doesn't talk about what everyone else talks about. But what the New Mexico governor has done is lawless and significant and deserves some time on The Cory Truax Show. I'm going to spend a good bit of time on that, but let me also tell you, I will take a question from Marissa about some Eschatology in times. We'll do that at the end. I have uh, just some commentary about some complaints I'm seeing about sentencing of people convicted of crimes, and re- uh, that that, that the sentencing is uh, is inconsistent when it comes to severity. I uh, also well, that probably will be the other two things we do. And I listen 90 seconds here or less, and then I will do my typical introduction. The thing I want to do is come on. And say, how about them Cowboys? Forty to nothing over their rival New York Giants, with a defense that actually does look like it's legit. Like uh, there's there's nobody gonna blow up the Cowboys this year. The defense won't allow it. The offense is way behind them. Don't know how awesome they're gonna be, but the for a Cowboys fan, that's invigorating. My entire Cowboys life, the the offense has been way better than the defense. Like you gotta score every time you got the ball because you don't know how bad your defense is gonna be. It's it's weird and awesome to be the fan of a team whose defense is so good that you are going to be in every game, and it feels good to have football back. I, I wish I could say that you know, I've had that first fall night where you know it's, it's a little chilly, a little chilly in the air. You make some football food, which probably is chilly. Make some chili for a chilly night, and then sit down and watch some football. Uh, we're not there yet because it's still a thousand degrees because we live in the south, uh, but it's good to have football back and. Way to go, Cowboys, on that first one of the season. Welcome to the Cory Act Show, wherever you find podcasts. I'm glad you're here. Amongst lots of other roles I get to play, responsibilities that I fulfill, I get to serve the people of Beechwood Church at 1030 on Sunday mornings as their passion for teaching. If you are new to the area, as many people are, or you are working with people who are new to the area and they're looking for a church home, you are invited. On Sunday morning, we'd love to have you. I also can just take questions if that's helpful as you're trying to figure it out. You can find me at Show at gmail.com, Show at gmail.com, or on Facebook, Twitter, or Instagram. Look for my weird name, Corey Truax. Also over there on Threads as well, and I'd be glad to help. All right, that's it on the Cowboys thing. You know, I, I, I take pride in not doing what all other talkers do. I mean, not that I have any delusions of grandeur that I'm on the same level they are. I, I'm, I'm proud of myself that there's not been a review of the Barbie movie on, on, my, on my feed when everyone else was doing it. I often don't like doing the the thing of the day because it passes so quickly. For example, the Barbie thing was the biggest thing, wasn't it? And it's gone. I mean, it was the biggest movie of the year, and I don't know if anyone's ever going to talk about it again. I think of some of these others. You know, The person who's going to play Snow White next year in a Disney thing, in a Disney remake of Snow White, said some idiotic stuff that I didn't talk about because I just knew it's just the fodder of the moment to get some clicks and some likes and reactions, and then you move on. I want to do something different, hopefully something better. So I don't like to do what everyone else is doing, but I understand that most of conservative media, even a lot of Christian media, is covering what's happening in New Mexico, and I think it's worth it. I think it's worth to be like everyone else today because it is that bad, it is that severe, and I think I have this credibility. I never say that. I'm never the uh, panic, everybody panic guy. I'm the guy who writes blogs the week before an election to say, hey, everyone that's telling you that this is the most important election of your lifetime, it's not. You're going to be okay. doesn't matter what side you're on. Most of our institutions are firm. Uh, you're, everything's going to be fine. Things are largely going to be stable because you're, you're a spoiled person. You live in the Western world. You live in the United States of America. Uh, I think... We actually talk about it in my household all the time. Me and my wife do. We are just opulently, ridiculously blessed to live the life that we live. Part of that is living in such a stable place. Yeah, you know, look at what's happening in across where I shouldn't say grew up, but some of my earliest years in life across West was in West Africa. Three or four countries in the last two years have gone undergone military coups. There was a, there's assassinations all over the world and a lot of governments, and we just live in this really Stable time and everyone lives panicked about it. So I'm the guy who tells everyone all the time, calm down. What you're what everyone's trying to get you fired up about is not worth being fired up about. There's not the need for fear and anger. So when I say the thing we're about to talk about is severe. It's a very, very big deal. It's very bad. When I say that, I hope it has some credibility that I'm not the panic guy. I'll read to you from the MSN, the Microsoft. News Network, their their writing of it. Headline, New Mexico governor declares gun violence a public health emergency. All right, let's read. New Mexico Governor Michelle, I'm going to say Grisham. She has a hyphenated last name, and I can't say the first part of it. Uh, New Mexico Governor Michelle Grisham has declared gun violence a public health emergency in the state. This comes after an 11-year-old boy was killed in Albuquerque, apparently a road rage incident. Uh, Grisham said this move comes after repeated cases of gun violence to New Mexico communities. Uh, I joined, she she quotes, I joined the family of an 11-year-old boy in mourning his violent death yesterday. I mourned the loss of a 5-year-old girl murdered in her bed last night. As a mother and grandmother, I cannot fathom the depths of these losses. The time for standard measures has passed, all right? You sound like Emperor Palpatine right here. I hate to take a serious thing and turn to a Star Wars reference, but you do sound like an evil emperor in Star Wars. The time for standard measures has passed. Today I'm declaring a gun violence, gun violence, a public health emergency across New Mexico. It was an executive order with $750,000 of funding to try to enforce it. The The, the facts of the case are simply this. Uh, you can't have a gun in public. It doesn't matter what permits you've had. It doesn't matter whatever the laws are. She is just declaring by Michael Scott Level from the office declaring bankruptcy. She is just declaring the Constitution of the United States, the Second Amendment of the Constitution of the United States that says that the right to bear arms shall not be infringed. She's just going to infringe on it. She is very sad and upset about horrific things happening. And she's decided in her sadness and her upset that she just doesn't have to follow the law. It's lawless. Instead of finding out whoever did this to this 11-year-old in Albuquerque, finding that person and putting them to death for what they've done. Instead, uh, let's just you know take everybody's guns. You keep your guns at home. You can't walk you can't walk around with them. Despite what the law says, despite your human rights, despite your constitutional rights, you will do what I say. This is the worst kind of tyranny because she's a very unimpressive person. You know the great tyrants of the past were at least impressive people. King George the was an impressive person. Napoleon, quite impressive. This woman is not impressive, yet she thinks she can impose her will by fiat on people. Yeah, it's a very big deal because it's a very slippery slope. That's the facts of the case. Gun violence is very very bad, and uh, it, where she lives, and she tried to she has tried to declare this for thirty days. Uh, you can't you cannot carry, and thankfully. I'll get into this a little bit later when we ask the question: What should Christians do in these situations? Thankfully, the sheriff there of their biggest county and several other of the county said, "Yeah, we're not enforcing this. This is we can't just take your order and enforce it. It's not it's not the law." And I'm I'm glad they're doing that. You know what? Let's let's, let's let her talk first. I have some things I want to say, but here is her announcing it, and then also getting some questions from media. And it should be disturbing to you. It should be disturbing that a politician thinks they can do this in the United States of America. Here's Governor Grisham.
1: Your point is valid. You took an oath to the Constitution. Isn't it unconstitutional to say you cannot exercise your, your carrying license? With one exception, and that is, if there's an emergency, and I've declared an emergency for a temporary amount of time, I can invoke additional powers no constitutional right in my view including my oath is intended to be absolute there are restrictions on free speech there are restrictions on my freedoms in-
0: so you declare an emergency and now you can do whatever you want let me give this piece of advice never create a power or assert a power that you would not want your enemies to use because c- consider the slippery slope you've created you just you decided there's a public health issue and just you, one person, you get to decide, all right, you've lost your rights because I've decided there's a public health issue. All right. So we got, uh, let's take, I'm trying to think of one that actually would be relevant right now. Ohio. Ohio has Governor Mike DeWine. Uh, their abortion laws are a little more lax than he would like. And it's very literally a public health emergency that we're killing infants. All right, I just declare it. If you if you walk into do you try to go to work today at one of your uh, abortion mills, we're coming to get you. You're done. I have declared it is a public health emergency. We we will be taking you to jail or giving fines. We're done with abortion because I have declared an emergency, public health. You keep stretching. Governor of Texas just declares poverty is a public health emergency. And we de- we are suspending any remittance of taxes to the federal government. We need our families and our state to be able to keep their money. We are remitting or stopping remittance of payments to the federal government for any payroll taxes because our businesses need to keep their money. So your the uh the collections method you have, we're going to be working with uh, banks and wire transfer services. We're going to be doing everything we can to make sure you don't get the tax money from our people because they need it. Because poverty is a public health emergency, and taxation is taking too much from our people, and we're done. And you can't stop me because I said there's an emergency. I declared emergency, so what do you want to do? Do you see the very dangerous road you're walking on by just deciding that one person, one very unimpressive person, can just declare an emergency and then do whatever they want in contradiction of the rights of humans? It's a dangerous road to start walking down.
1: In This emergency, this 11-year-old, and all these parents who have lost all these children, they deserve my attention to have the debate.
0: That's very childish for an older woman. That's well, not how adults work. Listen, those are two very, God, I can't imagine. Losing your 11-year-old, losing your 5-year-old. I'm Pause on that. That's unspeakably sad. Inexpressibly so. Like, I, I can have sympathy, but I can't even empathize. There's no way I could get myself to feel what that would feel like unless it happened. This is where leadership comes in. Where you don't get dominated by feelings where you are given objective standards and laws, and no matter how it makes anyone feel, you follow the law. That's what adults do. About
1: whether or not in an emergency we can create a safer environment. Because what about their constitutional rights? I took an oath. Tell me. Go ahead.
0: Tell me. What about their constitutional rights? Constitution is in, especially the Bill of Rights, is largely set up to ensure that we do not Uh, infringe on each other's rights. Someone has infringed on their right to live. All right, so now you need to do something about that. You need to cause justice. You need to create an environment of justice where people's lives aren't being taken. Yeah, let's talk about their constitutional rights. Over the Declaration of Independence, we have the right to life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. It's ultimately every family's responsibility to protect their kids. Governments have a responsibility to protect their, their citizenry and do justice. Yeah, let's talk about their constitutional, their constitutional rights. You can't take away a father's ability to protect his home. A father's ability to take his family out be able to protect them in public. Yeah, let's talk about those constitutional rights, Governor.
1: To uphold those two, And if we ignore this growing problem without being bold, I've said to every other New Mexican, your rights are subrogated to theirs. And they are not, in my view. Uh, wait a minute, though. you're talking about crimes. There are already laws against the crimes, so how are there... Right I got to it, but, but again, if I'm unsafe, who's standing up for that right? If this climate is so... Out- well,
0: yeah, in part, families do that, but yeah, governments do that too. And you do that by punishing criminals. That's how you do it. You don't tell me I can't protect myself. If I'm unsafe, if you've created an environment that's unsafe, it's now your job to create a safe environment by enforcing the laws you wrote and enacted.
1: Out of control, somebody should do something. I'm doing as much as I know to do. Madam Governor, yep. Do you really think that criminals are going to hear this message and not carry a gun in Albuquerque, on the streets, for 30 days? Uh,
0: No. <laughs> Well, at least she's honest. So do you think criminals will follow this? No, I don't. So who are you actually affecting? Law-abiding citizens trying to protect themselves. But here's what I do think. It's a pretty resounding message. And that is one of those very immature things that I have found, not just American leftism, but leftism generally across the world, says about itself. It will judge itself by its intentions and not its outcomes. Well, we sent a message. We intend to do something. All right, that's great. That's good for children, not for adults. Outcomes—the actual thing you do—that's what gets measured. So that's what she had to say. I've already, I guess, give everything I wrote down to say. I kind of said when I was responding there to her. It's very dangerous. It creates powers that should not exist, and I am confident courts will overturn this. They need to adjudicate it quickly because it's only a thirty-day order. But we need to go ahead and just slap these any official any government official that thinks they can just declare an emergency and then do whatever they want that's what it is very literally what happened in star wars by the way the prequels that tell the story of how the the evil empire came to be with vader and all that the the principle was there's an emergency so we're taking powers uh, we don't teach history anymore it's very unfortunate it's one of the reasons we are in the situation that we are in we don't know our roots from which we come but one of the lessons of history is that people who want power will often cause emergencies because they know people will run to them for a solution? To be clear, I am not comparing the governor of New Mexico to the Third Reich or Germany in the forties and thirties. I'm not doing that. Don't don't hear me saying that. I am saying that that's one of the quintessential examples. the The party that was supportive of Adolf Hitler was lighting stuff on fire. The Reichstag fires. And they blamed it on other people and said, "Hey, this is an emergency. Don't you need us? Don't you need us to take extraordinary powers to stop the emergency?" This is not like what the New Mexico governor didn't do. This didn't cause anything. I'm trying to give you the concept that emergency powers is often a very dark thing. We don't want a world like that. This needs to get under. Oh, this needs to get overturned. Now, I did have two other thoughts on this. One is an interesting. I at least I think it's an interesting thought I had while pondering it. And second, a Christian response. One, there's an interesting argument here for federalism. And one of my big arguments, my whole life really, has been the, the goal should just be weaken the federal government. The federal government just needs to get a lot weaker. It's Right now, it's, it's, it's just all powerful. At least it thinks it is. And we've got to devolve power back to states, communities, counties, cities. That's the only way. We're just too different, and when I started thinking about that, I started to comp- tr- trying to think like I often do of historical uh, analogies. Like I've I've said before, uh, the 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 battle we're in feels religious, the, the same way that the Catholics and the Protestants felt like it was several hundred years ago, and what they came to was what was called the Peace of uh, Westphalia. Peace of Westphalia. Where we just decide the two religious sides are going to stop killing each other. We needed a peace between the two. And secularism, God hatred, is in a is in a conflict with with Christianity in some ways. And there's those two religions are currently not killing each other, but we're at a fight, and we we needed a peace between the two. I've made that argument before. So I I was doing that same exercise about thinking of historical analogies. And while I didn't come to history, I just started thinking about this. We have three hundred. It's almost four three hundred forty million people in the United States, with really variant cultures. The South is really different. I mean, just South Carolina is even quite different than the Deep South, Mississippi, Alabama. That Midwest is very distinct from West Coast granola, Portland. What's the other one I'm thinking of? Portland and Seattle. The someone from Nebraska. Does not have the same frame of reference culturally as someone from San Francisco. These are very different places, so much so it feels like we actually are living in different countries in a lot of ways we are. That gave me the analogy of the European Union, so I checked the European Union has about ninety million, I think it is ninety million more people, but it's about the um, grab a map it's about the same land mass. We're bigger. And we're, we have a few We have a few million more people. But they've kind of figured it out. They kind of figured out in Europe, yeah, they can have a, a, call it a federal body, a European parliament, but Italy is still Italy. Germany is still Germany. Belgium is still Belgium. France is still France. They're going to have their own customs, laws, language, do a lot of things their way. Very little is going to happen at the federal level. That's where we are. That's kind of sad, because we once were... A really big, vast place that had a lot of the same frames of reference, but we're not anymore. We are different nationalities. And that's the way we're going to have to go. That's I started thinking about that concept with guns. Like Right now, the Second Amendment is in the federal constitution. It applies to all 50 states equally and to citizens of every state. But what if, in the process of trying to weaken the federal government, that that's one of the concessions people like me make? hey, yeah, um, we're going to do our own thing over here, have our own constitutional situation. Uh, your f- your federal laws can, can change because I'm going to go to a state that guarantees my right to defend myself. I think in, a, in some kind of national breakup situation where we're trying to make the federal government smaller and let the states do their things, there's some argument for that. Let other states implode on themselves for their own bad mistakes and states that have some sanity... Take care, of them, take care of themselves with a different view on guns. Like, like a situation where, I wonder about a situation 100 years from now where you hear something crazy happening in New Mexico and they have the right to do it. It doesn't affect me. I don't have to fear it affecting me over here in South Carolina. And we just all move on with our lives because we've become so federalized. It's at least worth a thought experiment. And then finally, the final thing I wrote down uh, is what should a Christian do well, we talked about this in the last couple years, uh, the doctrine of the lesser magistrate. Uh, the governor is, as much as I was very, had a very mean tone with her, she deserves some honor. She has the, the government give, the, God gives power to governments. What our system allows for, not just allows for, what our system is built on is that we are not a system of people. We're a system of laws. We're for the rule of law, not the rule of humans. And she is subject to a higher law. The Constitution of the United States is above her. The Constitution of her own state is above her. So she can declare whatever she wants. The people should obey the law above her. The Constitution is in charge, not her. So she wants to violate it, I I would argue she needs to be impeached now and removed. She's breaking the law. She's a lawbreaker. She's a criminal. And people should obey the law above her, not her. Second, I I've told you at the beginning, there are sheriffs that are doing the right thing. They're just saying, no, you, you're declaring is illegal. I'm going to follow the law that is above you. The authority is the constitution of this case, not your little order of emergency. So that's that, I think, is the Christian thinking. You can disobey that order because it is contradicted by a higher order. And if you know your civics and the government that you're in, then you'll be able to work that out. You know, For every Christian, that'll be different because every Christian lives in a different government. You know, we have been, that has been a theme on the show, hasn't it? We've just been talking for a couple of years now about how to think biblically, about laws, how to think biblically, about how we as Christians interact with biblical law, even. Bringing it into the modern day and trying to apply biblical thinking in the modern world. Those things are often quite weird. I've think i talked about in the past, there is that one where you, when you build your dwelling, you have to have a parapet around your roof so that... If you're meeting up there with somebody, they don't fall off. And if you don't do that, if you are not protecting people when they are on your property, using your property, using what, uh, what, what they need for, for their job, maybe if they're doing some work up there, if, if you don't provide them what they need, then you are liable for that. And we think about how those things might work in the modern world. Well, you might not have fallen off of someone's roof because they did not have a parapet, uh, but maybe you've had the analogy of that and you've gotten hurt at work. Maybe you've gotten hurt in a car accident. Uh, Those kinds of injuries, those have serious consequences. Bills pile up. You lose wages. And while you're trying to recover for that, you're trying to navigate a very hard process to get justice and just trying to make it right. Here's what I don't want for you. Don't be intimidated by it. Don't be scared of it. There are people to help you, and the person I want to introduce you to for that is Samuel Harms. He's a good personal friend of mine. You can Google him. It's Samuel Harms, H-A-R-M-S. It's Samuel Harms, as in stay out of Harms way. You can reach him at 864-666-6666. He's at uh, right near Woodruff Road. Uh, That is 33 Market Point Drive, Greenville, South Carolina, 29607. Uh, Samuel Harms, attorney at law. For real, these are things I have seen really troublesome people, so don't go at it alone. Uh, You you need someone on your side to work through what happens next. So if you have fallen off the modern-day roof, which is getting hurt at work or maybe gotten hurt in a a car accident, give Samuel Harms a call. He will take care of you. Uh, Don't navigate it alone. It's 666-6666. Two more topics for you. Uh, Let's do this one. I have seen a good bit of the commentariat, people that comment on stuff, bemoaning the harsh sentences being given to people who participated in various events on January the 6th, 2021 at the Capitol. Uh, There was one in particular here recently who leads an organization called the Proud Boys who was given a fairly, I would call it a severe sentence, 22 years for, uh, he wasn't apparently at the Capitol, but helped to plan and urge people on to do that. And the bemoaning is often, bemoaning of their sentences, I've noticed, is often, in comparison to other sentences, and so you will have commentators say, you know, "This person burned down a pawn shop during a Black Lives Matter riot, and they served a couple years. This person or these people invaded a police station, or this person actually caused the death of somebody by burning this thing down. They, they got this few years, and the people at the Capitol got more." I, I would even like. I gave. I have one that bothers me. There was a story this week of. Uh, I forgot his name now. It's Shannon something, a guy named Shannon. He hit a young boy, 18, 19 years old, with his car, killed him. Because, he said because he was a, quote, radical Republican. And that guy got like five years. He killed a guy with his car. He got five years. That's obviously not a serious enough sentence. What I what I want to caution against is uh, is not arguing for more lenient sentences, for criminal acts of the various events on January 6th if people did commit crimes. That's very important. That they, If they did commit crimes, go places they weren't supposed to go, take things they weren't supposed to take, damage property, the property they weren't supposed to uh, damage. If they did commit the crime, I'm saying, I want the harshest punishment. Let's have some actual law and order around here. And if you participate in a, a protest or a riot for another reason, that you get the same sentences. So I just want to fix that. I kind of want to change the, the paradigm. Not that we argue for lesser sentences and lesser punishments for those that committed the crime that you're less upset about, but that we don't want, we do want parity. We want them to have similar sentences and similar punishments for their crimes, but we should want them, I would argue, and I could, I could be argued with, we should want them similarly severe, not similarly lenient because we want to, we want to send some messages. Don't do these things. I don't, I don't care how bad your feelings are hurt, don't go into the Capitol. I don't care how bad your feelings are hurt, don't burn down the pawn shop. Don't do that. Leave, pe- leave people's properties alone, or there will be very, very serious consequences for what you've done. All right, so that was just one quick thing. I don't like that people are arguing for more lenient sentences for one group. What we should be arguing for, in my opinion, is harsher sentences for everybody. If you want to argue with me on that, it's Show at GMO.com. Corey. True acts show at gmail.com. You can also find me on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, or Threads. You can message me there. And messaging me there on one of those was a fellow listener of yours named Marissa. I had shared a a meme. You should come follow me on social media just for the memes. I'm just kidding. I don't have a lot of great memes. I just share mostly from a guy named uh, Reform Zoomer who has a lot of good stuff. And I uh, basically the the meme was a guy holding up a sandwich board with a sign on it that said, uh, stop freaking out about the end times. Stuff just goes back. basically something like, stop freaking out about the end times. You just make bad decisions, and sometimes the world is hard. Right? That's, uh, that's an attitude I'd love for us all to cultivate. Not everything is an end times predictor. That's not how that's not a paradigm we, we, we want to live in. And Marissa messaged and said, a couple things. One, Her final question was, so what do you think about the end times? Now, that's obviously not something we want to do on the show right now, because that is uh, uh, honestly, I bet that's several hours of lectures to lay all of what I think about end times, of what I think the Bible teaches. I just want to speak to that one issue that the meme uh, interacts with. That, uh, that one theme with which the meme interacts and try to, to shape our thinking around it. The, what that meme is interacting with is the idea of uh, how we view the future and what we can expect. It's responding to one set of thinking that does see every earthquake and says, Lord's coming soon. That sees every hurricane, every war announced, and says, these are the wars and rumors of wars. These are the, the natural uh, the, the natural warnings of Christ coming again soon. And so uh, I think that attitude lives. To, so batten down the hatches, I'm going to parody it a little bit now. That's to go get your rice and your beans, get your ammunition, get to Montana or the Dakotas, get yourself a, a, a cellar, hide out because things are, go- are just going to get worse all the time. That view is promoted by a certain view of what's called the millennium. That's all I want to teach you for the next five to ten minutes. In the book of Revelation, you're going to come to a concept of the millennium. What the millennium is, and theologians recognize I'm teaching popularly right now, just trying to get some, some simple concepts, is the idea of Christ reigning. Like on the, on the throne, he's in charge. He is above all. He's sovereign over all. He is reigning. So the question amongst Christians is, when will he do that? When when is that the reality? When is it the reality that Jesus is reigning? Well, there's a group of people who would call themselves premillennial, and there are some people that you would love and I highly respect in that in that view, and they w- I think would say, being simplistic, they would say, well, not right now, Christ doesn't reign right now. We're waiting for him to. We can't wait for him to. We cannot wait for him to come again in glory to judge the quick and the dead, and he will finally set up his kingdom and he will reign. In heaven and on earth, but right now, just look around. It's hard to see him reigning, but we get the promise in Revelation: He's coming back, and He's going to make things right. He's going to judge, and because He's not really reigning right now, I don't know how much good I can expect in the world. I can, I think I might just expect things to get worse, to deteriorate and deteriorate and deteriorate until Jesus just comes back to rescue. There's some, of course, I am simplifying that. If you are premillennial, don't be offended by that, please. You can correct me on any of the language I just used, but I would just argue they would say, Christ is not reigning in, at least not fully right now, and so I expect things are probably going to get worse. And then you have a group of people that I think I would have called myself a, a lot of my adult life. They would call themselves amillennialists. Which says, yeah, Christ is reigning right now in a in a way that is already but not yet. He is. He came, he inaugurated, he started his kingdom, he came and did his teaching. He won a victory, won the ultimate victory over death by raising from the dead. He gave the church its marching orders, and he is reigning from heaven, but not fully. And we are waiting. The church here and around the world, it's going to see some wins and some losses. There will be good times and bad times, and not an endless cycle, but for a long-time cycle, we're just going to go from good times to bad times, good times to bad times, and that's how it all works out. We shouldn't, we shouldn't expect all victories. We should expect wins and losses, wins and losses, wins and losses, until Jesus returns, and then fully, the kingdom is here. And then there are people like me. Uh, so get that language the, the pre-millennial Christ isn't reigning yet the amillennial there's not really a millennium like we're like uh, he's not re- he's not fully reigning but he is reigning it's it's, it's not a it's not a uh, not a millennial reign that's what the ah means it's a negation and then post means after so are we living before Christ reigns or during Christ reign but it's not full no, the post-millennial would say no we're living after it he reigns right now he's in charge of everything sovereignly on the throne right now yeah he was in charge of Afghanistan when it allowed people to train people for 9-11. He was in charge of, uh, of North Korea right now. He's in charge, even though Russia invaded Ukraine and some positive things. He's in charge in that a movement in the United States ended slavery. He's in charge that William Wilberforce was ending slavery in England. He's in charge that the United States had grown up to enough of a power to defeat Nazism and imperial uh, Japan. He's been in charge the whole time. And I'm just talking about stuff in the Western world. There's stuff going all around all around the planet. He's sovereign in control of all of it. And yes, the church might see some wins and losses, but a lot of those losses sometimes will just become a, because of our unfaithfulness. I think we are, we get envisioned, some post-millennials, and I'll admit, I struggle sometimes. I still struggle right now to believe it. I, I will decide sometimes, no, I don't think I believe this. But uh, I think we we are starting to envision ourselves as... Uh, the generations of Israel, God's people, when they were wandering in the wilderness, some of th- that first generation was unfaithful, and so they didn't get to go in to the land. They didn't get to go into all that God has promised. But Joshua's generation got to go. Got to go see it. A generation or some generations of those people got to see the real wins and wins and all stacked up. But they became unfaithful, and when they became unfaithful, that's where you get to the book of Judges and. The unfaithfulness of the people led to destruction. And the postmillennialist, post-millennialist would argue, well, we don't have to be unfaithful. Christ is reigning right now. He's in charge right now. He's given us power right now. He said, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Now, I've got all that power. I've got all that authority. Now, you go as my emissaries, as my ambassadors, grow the kingdom, and it'll grow all over the world. And so we tend to live not pessimistically that things are probably going to deteriorate, which I would argue is premillennialism, not living in a, uh, which is, it's going to be cycles of wins and losses, wins and losses, like i millennialism. We're actually living in a way that we say, we're going to win. I know it doesn't look like it. And winning is defined here as the kingdom will grow like crazy. And eventually, the vast majority of the planet is going to be Jesus following, Jesus worshiping. That does not indicate that he can come back right now and show me I'm wrong. But he, and, and the Lord will come to, See his kingdom inaugurated uh, right here on Earth. So, Marissa, thank you for the question. Those are three views of where we are in time and why people react differently to events, I think, in the news. And I hope that helps with, uh, with at least clarify some of those, uh, some of those items. All right. Uh, we have talked long enough. I need to get out of here and on to other things. If you want to get in touch with the show, Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, Threads, look for my weird name, Corey Act Show. I'd love to know what you want to talk about. If there are topics and things. You might even just say, there's something I'm curious about. Corey's a decent teacher. He's good at teaching things. Here, uh, give me so give me that topic. I'll prepare something and, and teach on that. Um, or you can get me at Show at gmail.com. Show at gmail.com. Thank you for listening to The Corey Truack Show. Wherever you find podcasts, I'll be back with another new edition of the show next week. Until then, everybody, peace and love.